With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Good to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you can find us different ways. Do so on the stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel can subscribe to that channel. Doesn't cost you a thing. Hail Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow if you want to watch. We're, of course, statewide. Different stations carrying us here on Hail Varsity Radio. Number to get in at 489-1240. 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Elijah at herdadsports.com where you can find him. And uh, get your comments in. Uh, Chris says, what's up? I assume he's doing the old uh, throwback Budweiser commercial tone. Or he's just saying, what's up? Good to see you, Chris, in the stream. Plenty to get into. We'll talk big picture look at Nebraska football from a national writer with the Sporting News. Bill Bender going to join us in about 20 minutes. We wish Brandon Vogel the best. Vogues is uh, getting better, getting back at it. We need to send Vogues a whole gallon of hot and sour soup uh, to get healed up. Gary Barnett with us at 5 o'clock. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets. We'll get some NFL thoughts from Danny moving forward. Husker basketball is a real issue. As many of you watched last night, social media was on fire uh, as far as just the, the level of angst towards Big Red basketball. Got home, watched the first half, said, uh, as Cousin Eddie put it, this time of year, many moons ago, that's a real nice surprise, Clark. Uh, but the uh, the gift turned into coal in the second half as Nebraska got, well, dominated. They got outfought. This team showed zero, absolutely zero grit. We'll talk about it, get your thoughts as well. Husker Volleyball onto the Elite Eight. They whacked Georgia Tech. That's a good thing in uh, surgical fashion, as Coach Cook and his team does often. Death taxes Nebraska in the Elite Eight for volleyball. But Hoops has got a ways to go. Who's kicking us off? Doug is on the line. Doug, thanks for calling. Go for it. Are we talking volleyball or football? Uh, we were going to hit some hoops because that was a that was a disgusting display last night. But what do you want to talk about? Oh, well, I just quickly, I, I'm a little upset about Nebraska not looking hard in the portal for some $500,000 guards and tackles. How could they put it all on Purdy and Heinrich? I mean, it'd be like 
walking around back there barefoot in glass. <laughs> I mean, you know, got to say the offensive line didn't really help them out either, and everybody's dumping on the quarterback. Well, Doug, I'll say this. Doug, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question. Do you think the line got better? I think you and I and, and Elijah, we have a, a standard of offensive line play. There's different eras, but uh, the go-to standards, what won championships and won it physically. This is a, a different era. Nebraska, I think, has s- some talent on the offensive line, and I think they're moving the right direction uh, with the offensive line. Is it dominant? No, it's not Michigan's offensive line. It's not Ohio State's offensive line. So to your point, when it comes to investments, yeah, the, the lines of scrimmage are, are where you go. What I will say is I think the development phase of some of the guys they have available on the offensive line, you're going to be pleased with sooner rather than later. Well, exactly. But, I mean, still, I never hear anything about that. It's all how great the defensive line was and how terrible the quarterbacks are. And I think it's just like you really need to look at center and the guards and tackles. To they got to be able to do something to give the guys at least a little hole. To run through. Well, Doug, let me ask you. Let me ask black. you a question. And I think this kind of this is not an indictment on your question at all. But can you name me some of the top offensive linemen that are in the portal this cycle? Well, no. It, not my job to look for them, but well, I know I wouldn't be paying a million and a half for a quarterback. I'm just saying the, the quarterback is the position. If I was pretty Heinrich. I just give the one finger salute and be out the portal. I, mean, I think there's I been think a, it's even close to being fair. I think there's enough conversation going on where uh, the, the guys that are here know what's expected and they'll they'll have a shot. I, I, I get, Doug, that you're a little apprehensive on the trust part of things, picking the right quarterback because that didn't go well, the way it went last like year. It's all pretty absurd to me, but well, again – different time but still the teams that kick our butts do it the way we used to do it 30 years ago so what do you think of that huh i think you're right i, I, I think, think you uh, gotta, you got to be able to do it i think doug's comment it's yeah. all pretty absurd to me welcome to the new era of yeah, college that's, football that's what it is nfl like <laughs> yeah, exactly. doug appreciate right, your phone thanks. call man thanks yeah. for dialing up 489-1240 to get in and one thing i'll say is just because it hasn't been reported that nebraska has been reaching out to portal offense i mean the question i asked was not supposed to be a gotcha to Doug what what no. port offense line it's just the way the news cycle kind of works good ones are staying or they're going to the league good ones are staying they're going to the league and hey if you're in the portal guess what offensive line names aside from a couple every single year are not sexy well no and, it, it, and like and like we, just we, we, just because it's not being reported doesn't mean Nebraska's not exploring those options it just means that it's not a sexy name that's going to get reported upon you know if that makes sense and like no, it does it and does. last year there were guys in the portal that were some sexier names in the offensive line who's a kid for Oklahoma that, that was looking like he was in it at, at Nebraska and then went to Oklahoma. The the, the tackle. Oh, Rouse. Yeah, Rouse, Rouse is – yeah, Nebraska tried to get Rouse last year. He did for 24 and, hours. Right, and, and Rouse <laughs> probably got hooked up with the old Sooner, uh, Sooner gift basket legally this time. And Rouse – Oklahoma's got a lot of left tackles playing in the NFL. <laughs> okay, Nebraska's last NFL tackle uh, was Richie Incognito. Well, excuse me, Hymas. Got to give Hymas and Searles a little love, obviously. But you see my point. Like, all pro, I mean, it's been it's been forever. So you got to get back. It's been 10 years mm-hmm. for Nebraska to routinely well, put guys uh, or a group of guys in the league. Hymas is the last to, to go, and 
uh, the kid out of South Dakota too. Uh, Farniak. Oh yeah, yeah, Farniak, yeah, as well. Um, but like, I'm, Gates. I'm looking back to just last year though with Nebraska getting guys in the transfer portal on the offensive line with Jacob Hood. You didn't really hear the name until he was committed, announced he's going to be coming to Nebraska. And, and Jacob Hood and, needs a lot of work, and he's been putting the work in. And Tyler Kanak. You didn't hear about him until, oh, he puts it on Twitter. He's going to be a Cornhusker next year. The offensive line, just simply put, isn't the sexy headline for mm-hmm. whatever reporter out there. So just because it's not in the news cycle doesn't mean Nebraska's not going after those guys, A. And B, I think there's also some confidence in what Riola did last season with his offensive line that Nebraska doesn't feel like they need a, a complete reset of their offensive line room. Maybe you'll go pick up a guy if there's interest. Mutual well, you went interest, and got Scott last year. He was pretty good for you. Yeah, and it, and it filled an instant need. But, again, that was something that, you know, his mom put it up on Facebook. And, oh, I guess Ben Scott. Let's look into him. What's he doing? It wasn't reported up until it happened. So that's kind of the, the, the way of the world with the offensive linemen. They're the big uglies. They're not the sexy names. Just because it's not out there does not mean Nebraska's not well, talking to kids. Well, let me ask you this. Where, where's, where is there an instant need on this football team, it's probably quarterback, maybe wide receiver, wide receiver and linebacker. And who, who do you think is is an ins? Where on the offensive line is there an instant need? You're going to have Scott back. You got Evans Jenkins at guard. You got Lutoski at the other guard spot. You got uh, a spot either guard or tackle, right tackle maybe. That is if Ben Hart doesn't come back for um, for the offensive line. Uh, you got Teddy P, and then you got some young guys that have been grinding away. Uh, some that have been in the program longer than others, but you've you've not had a lot of attrition on the offensive line. You actually kept your offensive line in the room the last two years, and they've been getting trained up. They've been getting some practice time. So let's see. Uh, lo and behold, if if you limit your attrition on the lines of scrimmage, they stick, they stay, they get watered, they get fed and watered. And then they get better. They get bigger. Should we get back into this at 525? I think we had plans yes. to, to lead off with Husker basketball. Yeah. We pre- Great phone call. Grant Bricks. Yes, there we go. Get Dale us, Phillips. Get us, get us a little off topic here. But I do want to talk Husker basketball. I do too. And, and we're going to get heavy into hoops right now. Uh, basketball is it's the old moment maybe you had as a teenager <laughs> or, or you've had as a, a dad or a grandfather where you have – the, the sit-down where you're absolutely pissed and livid at your uh, your son, grandson, daughter, whatever the case may be, or you've been on the receiving end of that. Are you mad or are you disappointed? And Creighton was super disappointing because they just came in, did what they do, and they're going to do that to a lot of teams. So Nebraska fans left BBA Sunday disappointed. They turned off BTN last night mad. And they're mad. Not only did you blow a 17-point lead to a team that didn't have their best player, but it's always this way with Nebraska fans. It's how you did it. And this team looked soft. They looked passive. They looked disinterested. And even raising their hands. Even trying to put up a fight once momentum flipped to Minnesota. And it's inexcusable. A loss like that last night, and I'm not saying do not confuse this. I like Fred Hoiberg. I hope Fred wins. And I hope Fred gets to a tournament game. I like him as a coach. He's a good coach. He's not getting his guys to play where they need to play. They didn't last night in that second half. That loss gets you fired because it turns things into a snowball. 
right? You've got a stretch here. Your strength of schedule is garbage until you met up with Creighton. You got league play. You got K State looming. You got Sparty coming in that's wounded. Last night's loss turns things into a tailspin where you do not get right, and then you're fighting uphill to get relevant and on the bubble. That's a bubble burster as early as it is in basketball season. Last night is unforgivable when the committee looks at it. And you've basically taken the words out of my mouth. I, I came into this. Sorry, dude. It, oh, I came into this segment with a couple of, of war. I mean, Sunday, you said it. You took that, that word right of mouth. Disappointing was Sunday. That's how you felt leaving it. And I went with alliteration for last night's game. Last night was demoralizing. There's a difference between disappointment and, and demoralization. You were demoralized as a Husker basketball fan last night. And I was going to go the same way as you did with, with what it means for Fred. While you can see it, you can see it, you can see it on Fred's face, bud, where he's like, what, what am I watching? Last night by itself was not a fireable offense, but it's no. the kind of game that gets coaches fired, not just at Nebraska, all across Everywhere. the country. That's the kind of game, and it's the first tally mark that I'm sure Trev is making this season in terms of whenever he's making a decision at the end of the year, which it looks like there is going to be a decision. Maybe Fred can turn around. I don't think Fred deserves to get fired in season no matter what happens over the next couple of weeks or next month. I don't think you do that to him. I don't think it's going to save your season by any means. I think you let him ride out and you give him a chance to coach a guy that's coached in the NBA. Give him a chance to coach up these guys. I mean, it is a group of the, the two sides was, one, it's an experienced group. It's a group that's played a lot of college basketball. It's a, it's a mature group. On the other side, it's a group that has not played a lot of basketball together. And maybe you got a little bit ahead of yourself with the 7-0 start against easy competition. You know what? They've put it all together. I think there is still time for this team to put some things together, but there was a lot of warning signs in that game last night that showed me this year isn't going to be it. This no, year is it, not going to work. And, and I'm going to give there's Fred zero the benefit faith. of the doubt. I'm there's, give, there's zero faith, right? I'll give Fred a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, you know what? This is a team that was kind of thrown together through the portal, a lot of portal pieces, trying to make them work together going to give it some time there but there is a lot of warning signs with last night's game from rebounding to intensity uh I mean just everything in the second half that could have gone wrong did go wrong you couldn't find a guy that could stop the bleeding I mean you have Kase Tomonaga that's putting up five shots total in a game 0 for 5 he's a guy that you need to step up whenever Minnesota makes a run and you know what Minnesota's are on a run we need you to just get a bucket any means you can in order to stop the bleeding and get us something back, get us some form of momentum, stop this momentum from Minnesota. You need a, a guy like that to, to do that. You need Bryce Williams, a guy that's played a lot of college basketball, to be more mature. I know you're the lead scorer at your last stop, but you need to realize in the second half they're playing you differently. You can't just put your head down and get to the bucket like you were in the Run them over, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many issues with that performance last night. Demoralizing is how I left or how I felt watching that game because – I'll be honest, I went and took the dogs on a walk when Nebraska's up 17. I said, I'll check back in in the second half, come back home, and it's 44-44, and I asked, what the hell happened? I'm making dinner, and it's it's hilarious. Like, I know how this is going to go. You're up 17, they cut it to 12, they cut it to 10, they cut it to 8, and, and you're, you're staring at the ref, whimpering for a call. That's, that's, that's Tominaga, mm. and, and it, he is awesome at – being boisterous and having all sorts of emotion when things are going right. Dude, make a play. Don't look for a call. Box somebody out, right? You got to play both ways and, and figure it out. Uh, Jawan Gary is an incredible physical specimen. And, dude, he's had a couple of bad nights defensively, really bad. And it, the, it looks like there's zero effort. And I know that 
I pray that's not the case for him. He's too good for that. And then you got Alec. Alec's running around, bumping into folks, but can't grapple away a rebound. Bad night, bad half. Get it. They can make it make it right Sunday. Problem is that bandwagon's half full now. Because that's what Nebraska basketball is. If they're good and uh, there's some spark early, bandwagon's full. There's a waiting line for the bandwagon. Uh, then suddenly uh, you come back down to earth. That bandwagon's a little bit lighter. I have a minimal faith in this football, this, this basketball team to get right against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's a lot of things. They're challenged offensively. That's one of them. But they're not soft. They're not weak. They're not timid. And that was 20 minutes of what I saw last night. This, Soft both music, physically and mentally. Well, they just got, well, your coach with uh, telling the, the world that I got a bunch of older guys that have experienced a ton of basketball, he can't imagine ever uttering, well, we got to be stronger with the ball. <laughs> you let an awful team in Minnesota whip you physically. Football's on the way. Bill Bender coming up on Hale Varsity. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo. We say hi to Bill Bender, national writer with the Sporting News. Find and follow him on Twitter at Bill Bender. 92. Bill, what are you doing between now and bowl season, college football wise? Are you able to cope? I know we're. Uh, we're a little lost <laughs> here in Nebraska, waiting for uh, well, waiting for a bowl season to actually happen. Well, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting on a off a jet. You know, you do this for 14 weeks and it's nonstop, and then you're kind of like the jet lag of no season and getting into the Heisman and the All American stuff that we do over at Sporting News. We're wrapping that kind of stuff up, so yeah, it, there's always something to do. And, and before you know it, the Bulls will be here. So. Still another month to go, but like you said, yeah, it was a fast regular season. It flew. Yeah, you blink, and and yeah, we're into December, and the uh, items that have been keeping Nebraska fans busy have been flight tracking and the portal for that uh, elusive option at quarterback. And I want to get uh, your take. Uh, you're in uh, Buckeye country. And what's your feel on Kyle McCord? Uh, Nebraska visited him. I know he's going to be coveted by other programs, and he may very well end up in the southeast somewhere. But it's not often you see a, an 11 and one starter uh, leave a program, and uh, that's what's happened at Ohio State. Yeah, stability. I mean, for Nebraska, if he were to come there, 
he didn't turn the ball over a lot. He had one bad throw against Michigan, essentially, and another where he was hit on the arm. And I think he would be fine at Nebraska. He'd do a good job at Nebraska if they were to go that route. I think part of the, I guess, perception of Kyle McCord is clouded by the fact if you look at the guys that came before him, Haskins, Justin Fields, uh, C.J. Stroud, all of those guys ended up in New York, and it's almost like you don't end up in New York as Ohio State's quarterback. That's the bar. Less pressure at Nebraska, I think, and he may actually thrive in that environment. Bill, in this time, I mean, there's so many names floating around that Husker fans, as soon as the name enters the portal, well, Nebraska's got to be in on this kid. The name of the day today was Trevor Etienne, and I think that's a, a pipe dream for Husker fans, but got Husker fans on Twitter saying, man, a perfect get for Nebraska. You have uh, McCord in the portal. You have Cameron Ward in the portal. I don't get your thoughts from the outside looking in, is Nebraska just a transfer portal quarterback away or just a couple pieces away? What did you see this year from year one under Matt Rule? Do you think that that the Husker fan perception that, you know what, it's still an attractive place that could just be a couple pieces away, do you think that's accurate from your outside perspective? Yeah, I mean, they almost made a bull game. And, you know, I said that would have been the benchmark for a successful season this year. Um not quite there. I think the Big Ten is going to change, obviously, with teams coming in. And, you know, what does that mean for Nebraska? I guess that's the question I want to see is when the Big Ten brings these new teams in next year, Nebraska will essentially be the midpoint geographically for the entire conference. How does that pay off with recruiting, the portal, the matchups, those kind of things? And I'm anxious to see it. So, I mean, there's ways to go. I thought there was improvement under Matt Rule. There can be more. But not quite ready for uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State yet. But to be honest, nobody was ready for Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten in the last three years. Bill, when we talk about the, the Big Ten landscape, and I know the NCAA president went on Twitter and put out a statement as well saying, all right, there's a proposal that could allow separation for a new subdivision, which would allow the, the haves to create their own rules regarding NIL and transfer and and your your 60 40 to 60 halves of college football could be in this college football uh, kingdom and when it comes to the Big Ten they're positioned for for more options for an expanded playoff the the sense around here is from an urgency standpoint Nebraska needs to get good quick and, you know, five and seven, almost six and six in a year one. All right. You saw some progress from Rule, but you're jumping to a year two with no divisions. And it's not about winning the Big Ten anymore. It's can you be a top three or top four option, arguably, for the, the playoff uh, when that expands to 12 next season. So how, how important is year two for Nebraska with, with Matt Rule? I mean, it's going to be important. Yeah, you want to – the Big Ten's going to be harder. The middle of the Big Ten just became harder. You know, Washington and Oregon were top ten teams this year. USC hired a new coordinator and is going to be able to score points. It's Different styles are coming into the conference. And, you know, so, yeah, it's important. Um, but it's important for everybody. And I think Nebraska, you're, you're talking about these haves and have-nots. I still think if there were ever to be – a 32-team Super League, something like that, whatever. We've talked about these hypotheticals for a couple years now. Nebraska would be in that league. It'd be close. It'd be closer than it was maybe 25 years ago. Sure. 
Well, yeah, they would, they would absolutely be in that league. It's Bill Bender with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, looking ahead to the future of college football here a little bit. And, and Bill, would this not have been the perfect year to get the 12-team playoff installed while we look ahead to the perfect, <laughs> or the, the, the ideal future of college football? I mean, felt like uh, it would have set up perfectly for a 12-team playoff this year. I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, that's what we're headed towards. So, I mean, that, that dovetails into the Florida State question of had the alliance not happened, we would have had a 12-team playoff at this point. And Florida State would be in the playoff. But I was texting buddies all weekend, and they were texting me, you know, they, they kept saying things like, they can't do this, and they can't do that, they can't do this. And I said, the committee can do whatever it wants, and it probably will. <laughs> so I can't say... I can't say I was surprised that they put Alabama and Texas in the playoff. No, and listen, I, I think Florida State's tremendous. I, I don't think Florida State, in their current state, beats Alabama. I don't think they beat Georgia. And I don't know that, that they beat Bama with a healthy quarterback. Uh, I just I think Bama's playing better. And I know Bama's not been vintage Bama. I mean, I like the playoff setup. If only there was a way that we could find out if Florida State would win these matchups. Right. Like, I don't know, play the game, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, so, so you're not – you don't have many ob- objections to the way it, it kind of shook out. I mean, I think Georgia – Georgia's got a, an argument, too. I know that their only loss in the last 29 games was a three-pointer to, to Bama. No, I, I, I think the committee got it wrong from the standpoint that Florida State deserved to be in and had the resume and at the heart of competition if the goal is to win all your games and be one of the Power 5 champions with an unbeaten record. Had Georgia won, it wouldn't have been... It's so crazy to think that if Georgia wins, I think they take the four unbeaten teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think they take Texas over Florida State. But because Georgia lost, it got complicated. So the committee had to make a difficult choice. So while I think Florida State should have been in, I understand that they basically selected a scenario which, believe it or not, creates the least amount of outrage. That might not make sense, but I can imagine what this week would have been like down south had Alabama been left out or down in Texas had, for some reason, Florida State and Alabama been in the playoffs. You made a great point right there uh, with, all right, who who can uh, manage their emotions the best? <laughs> well, I saw a video going around this week of a young gentleman in a Tallahassee church on Sunday morning. Praying? Uh, praying, and then as soon as the, the announcement comes, he's streaming on his phone, he just gets up and walks out of church. That's <laughs> <laughs> when you need to hunker I mean, down. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot of emotion in this sport. And Florida State, like I said, they have a right to be angry, but... Again, and I'll, you know, I've I used this analogy all week that if you gave people the truth serum over the next, you know, on January 1st, if you say, tell the truth, and you're watching Michigan and uh, Alabama, Rose Bowl, which should be fun, and about halfway through the first quarter, if you ask somebody, hey, would you rather be watching Michigan, Florida State right now? Their answer is not going to be yes. It would be, no, this game's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, as you look ahead to the college football playoff, how do you forecast it? Who's your favorite? Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that's the crazy part. I think they're probably going to win the national title. And I think the Michigan game should be a lot of fun. It's a big spot game for Michigan. Obviously, a lot's gone on on and off the field for the Wolverines this year. But 
play Alabama twice since 2012, and there was just a difference with what Alabama had. Now, has that changed? This Michigan defense is as good a defense as they've ever had on the field, and we'll see if that translates against the Crimson Tide. And they've had some injuries on that offensive line, so I think Alabama wins. I think Texas wins. Washington, Texas should be a lot of fun for those quarterbacks. I think you get a rematch in Houston, and in rematch games, we know how those go with Nick Saban. So it's hard not to pick the Crimson Tide to win this thing. So what's your gut tell you about Harbaugh and Michigan? I know they're working on a five-year extension for $11 million. That's all well and good. Do you think Jimbo runs it back, or do you think he's eyeing the NFL? Do you think he's eyeing the Chargers? Do you think he's eyeing Chicago? I mean, I, I, I don't know Harbaugh at all. I mean, I've seen him just like you have at, at media days, and he just wants to win at the highest level. I still think there's a pit in his stomach with the uh, the Super Bowl about 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I still think predicting Harbaugh is so difficult. If I had to guess, I think he comes back. I think, you know, he served six games suspension. They move on from that. You know, he could, but I could see it either way. You know, if the Chargers are – I don't know that the Bears are it, but if the Chargers or Raiders in particular mm-hmm. – make a pitch, and maybe he goes back out west. You know, he, it was the big thing with getting him to Michigan was prying him off the west coast, and that was really hard when he was at San Diego and, and at Stanford. So if he goes to the NFL, I could see him going to the west coast and see him going to the Chargers. And, but, you know, the Chargers have to fire their coach first for that to happen, and I don't think any of that's going to unfold until after they play against Alabama. Mm. What's your synopsis on the year of prime? How it started, how it ended, the mass exodus from his coaching staff. I know they got a five-star offensive tackle today. The Buffs did, but sure. what'd you uh, what'd you make a year one with Dion? I mean, the first month I haven't seen uh, in all the years I've covered uh, college football sporting news. Haven't seen a phenomenon like it. But like all phenomenons, it can burn real bright. And- and it shorted out in the second half of the season. So I would argue that this year was a success for Colorado. They won one game the year before. They improved by three. Most people, reasonable people, had them at four and eight or five and seven as a best-case scenario. Now how does he recruit and keep that momentum going? Um, that attention, because the expectations will be higher in year two, especially if Shador Sanders stays and Travis Hunter and those guys are still there, obviously. And they add some more guys. Now, are they going to be a serious contender in the Big 12? So, I would say, you know, see, because he did improve. You did get a lot of attention on the program. But the second half of the season showed just how much work that job's really going to be. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Bender, a couple more minutes with his sporting news. Hail Varsity Radio at Bill Bender 92. Follow him on Twitter. Read his uh, just great work for many years uh, covering college football, some NFL as well. 
Bill, last thought. We'll get you out. Thanks for chatting with us. Uh, which program do you think can can take a step forward? Florida right now has been through the ringer with coaching changes, and they missed a bowl game again this year. You've got a mass exodus of, of some of their stars or at least perceived recruiting stars. Ohio State's had a lot of their class depart, but Ohio State's still real, real good. And then A&M with Elko. Is A&M finally going to get to that finish line where they're – as good as they think they are. Yeah, you know, we'll find out. I, I think A&M, obviously, I think Mike Elko was a make-sense hire. So they hired Colin Klein as their offensive coordinator. Just no nonsense is going to be good for that program for a minute because it got a little silly the last two years with Jimbo Fisher. You know, Florida, Billy Napier, I thought it wouldn't go much better, much faster. Obviously, there was a lot of issues from day one. And it comes down. But I would say with them, patience is required from the standpoint of if you look at State, uh, that's a great example. People were trying to run Mike Norbell out of town, and they had that breakthrough year this year because they used the transfer portal effectively. So both of those programs, spots, kind of stuck in neutral. And for Texas A&M in particular, I think the Mike Elko hire will do them good. It just might – you have to be patient. And both of those places, they don't know what patient means. Well, Nebraska fans are, are working on patience. Uh, year one versus the last five-plus uh, with with just record and, and one-score losses. In your world, what what's the word on, on Marcus Satterfield? What What's his reputation? Because that's been a lot of where the arrows have been fired this season and into the offseason. Well, you know, you know, continued development. Obviously, offense is, uh, is you want to score. The name of the game is putting up a bunch of points. But the name of the big game, game in the Big Ten is a little bit different. You know, Ohio State scores a ton of points. And it kind of circles back to our Kyle McCord discussion. They, they scored a ton of points this year. They have a wide-open offense. It's based on throwing the football more than running the ball. And yet, when you get in those big-time games in the Big Ten, Michigan proved that when you win the running game, and you have a tough defense. And there's that there is a way to win that way. It's not quite the way Nebraska won in the '90s, but it's a cousin of that. Mm-hmm. So, I think as they continue to evolve in that running game around a good, solid quarterback, they'll be fine. It's Bill Bender with us here, and Bill, I know we said last question about two questions ago, so maybe we'll call this. <laughs> this overtime, is the last question, <laughs> but I promise this one is the last question. Mm-hmm. It's not sports related. You're a known lover of awesomely bad '80s movies, and tis this season. What is your favorite awesomely bad Christmas movie? I mean, I don't, you know, Christmas Vacation is good, obviously. I'm, you know, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, we'll watch all those, all the classics. I think uh, Christmas Story is good. Um, of all the holiday movies, though, Home Alone and Home Alone 2 are probably my two favorites. It's, it's always a good one, and uh, I don't know how Harry and Marv survived that. I know. I mean, they're still uh, they're still in the burn unit. I mean, it's it's not good with poor, with poor Marv. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Home Alone Two, I believe, is the only Christmas movie to feature Donald Trump in the movie. Well, it depends what version yeah, you have. He makes a cameo. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've seen those. The kids like those movies a lot, and uh, we enjoy them. But uh, you know, Harry and Marv, obviously, they they were. Uh, they, I wonder what team they were rooting for when they were college football fans. No, they're totally Auburn fans. <laughs> That's great. Totally Auburn fans. Uh, Bill, you take care. Happy holidays to you and your fam, and we'll get caught up again. Thanks for the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. 
There is lots of discussion in the stream. Big thanks to Bill Bender for hanging out for us to talk volleyball. Uh, not sure if that's serious or they're going back to the phone call, the infamous phone call about talking more volleyball. So we'll hit a little volleyball on the way. Brian's on the line, though. Brian, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Ryan. Ryan? Yeah. Ryan? Yeah, well, close enough. Brian, Ryan. Close. It, it works. Ryan, no, w- welcome in. I've, Go for it. Yeah, I've just been seeing things on Facebook and got people even calling into your show about what's going on in the quarterback transfer portal. And I, my opinion is completely opposite. Um, I don't think you need to be really looking for a quarterback. I mean, we've learned from Casey Thompson and then just recently last year um, that didn't work out too good. Uh, <clears throat> I think what they need, they need to be really more focused on is looking at some wideouts in the portal, um, offensive linemen in the portal, and even better yet, uh, a full-time quarterbacks coach. Because, I mean, we rolled out uh, Purdy and Harburg, which neither one really have any legitimate playing time. Um until they were forced into a role. I mean, it's pretty hard to ask that. You know, the, the, I mean, they're both, I believe, sophomores. Um, like I said, neither one's hardly ever played. Um, so I think uh, people are pretty hard on them. You know, I mean, like, so they had no weapons around them. An offensive lineman, in my opinion, kind of struggled. So, I mean, I think people need to take, you know, take a chill pill maybe on the whole quarterback situation and focus on, you know, building, building a team around those quarterbacks. Because all they have to do is manage the game. They don't have to have a giant arm or anything like that, in my opinion. They gotta take um, I mean, they, Ryan, they got to take care of the games. football. They got to take care of the – they said they got to take care of the football first and foremost. And let me ask you this as a Nebraska fan. Are you willing to to wait another year of development if that means five and seven or six and six versus out there and, and landing a quarterback that can get you nine wins? And you may have that. Think, you, you may be right. You may have that in pretty. You don't want to run him off like you did Casey. Right, but I just, I just feel like if they're going to go chase a quarterback in the portal, I feel like a lot of these kids, like they're going to get, like, I know they weren't after that McCord from Ohio State. I'm assuming these quarterbacks know what they're coming into at Nebraska. You know, Nebraska's not been the Nebraska that we were. I mean, even in the early 2000s, I'm not talking talk about the 90s. That's, you know what I mean? But Nebraska hasn't been really been relevant since I would say Bo Pelini was here. Um, You're right. So I don't really, I, I don't really feel like. I mean, they see us like, oh, let's go get these hot, you know, hot shot quarterbacks. Let's spend a million and a half. You can spend a million and a half, but those kids even want to come here. I mean, well, you got to be in the Nebraska, conversation. Be realist, realistic, you know. No, that's fair, Ron. Thanks for the phone call, man. Appreciate you and, tuning in. And one thing I'll say in re- response to that is, like, yes, the position guys you have around a quarterback can make that quarterback look a hell of a lot better than he is. Think of Mark Sanchez with the New York Jets. That was a fantastic offense with a very average quarterback that made people think Mark Sanchez was a, a high level. quarterback. Or this year's Ohio State team. Yeah. You could use that as an example as well. But you can flip it around to a high-level quarterback, which I think is a quicker fix for Nebraska. And I know the quick fix isn't always the right fix, but the quicker fix is to have a quarterback that can elevate the players around him. Think of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on the flip side of that. Patrick Mahomes had a lot of weapons with the Chiefs for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. Now you look this season. Now he has one. The weapons he has on offense is Travis Kelsey. With an average offensive line and subpar other wide Pacheco's receivers. Pacheco's all right, but you, you they, they, but, they, but they if, drop the ball all the time. If Patrick Mahomes was not that quarterback, the Chiefs would not be making the postseason no, this year. At least, be, well, at least on the offensive side of the ball. They'd be Their drafting offense would be in the in top five. They'd be in the top five. Of, so that's the two sides. You can have a lot of great players on offense to elevate the quarterback, or maybe you can have a quarterback that elevates the players around them. And the and ideal one, situation. One requires 10 and one requires one player. The ideal situation is it's a two-way street and both elevate each other. 489-1240. We will keep on portaling and have some more thoughts, uh, time permitting, on some Husker basketball. Uh, we 
got into the portal early into this show. Had a little thought or two on Nebraska's embarrassment last night against Minnesota. And we'll get to your calls and emails as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's just it. You don't want to miss out on what could be a good thing at quarterback that's already in that quarterback room. That is the judgment, development, and task you have as an offensive coordinator and head coach. We'll wind down hour one, get to your calls here in a minute. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Get to the phones here in a minute. More thoughts on the quarterback situation in the portal with Nebraska Gary Barnett. Longtime head coach and longtime quarterback coach. In about 10 minutes, reminder about your friends at Dyer Law with workers' compensation. Confused about the options of your workers' compensation claim? Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law to help ensure that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law and the team today at 402-393-7529. And uh, visit them online, Dyer.Law. That's Dyer.Law to, tr- to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. Joe, thanks for hanging on. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Go for it. Yeah, question. Uh, you know, with this portal business, please educate me here. Now, I, you, know, you see quarterbacks. You got the Caleb Williams. And he produced a little bit. Arch Manning, you know, he got... Evidently, a load of money. How's this money paid? Is it up front over a period of time? Is there any metrics that can be tied to this? Because, like Uncle Charlie said, this this is a bad deal. <laughs> it, it's the reality, unfortunately. I think it varies per collective. It varies per school. There's no uniform way to go about it. It's how many. Uh, you, you ever see the? You you remember watching Smokey and the Bandit, right? Well, yeah. the, the big brother and the little brother, you know, that, that funded the Trans Am. There's a lot of those folks. Big Enus fo- and Little Enus. Yeah, Big Enus and Little Enus. There's a lot of those folks, Joe, uh, probably down in the Southeastern Conference, uh, for sure down in Texas. And uh, they'll, they're going to they're gonna pay to well, play. Well, yeah, they're going to pony up. But yeah. Say, you know, paying a kid uh, $2 million, two and a half, whatever the whatever whatever number you pick, and he hasn't even snapped the ball yet. Well, it just seems it's ridiculous. It's the world we live in. And as to your guest that you had, and he said, well, yeah, uh, this new upper tier in Nebraska can make the top 32. James Madison, Liberty, Tulane is ahead of these guys. They're going to have to kick, that, kick it in the ass here if they want to make Right. There's a little bit of reputation that helps uh, balance out lack of on-field performance for Nebraska. Well, you know what this time reminds well, me of? It reminds me of that time of the NFL draft Whenever like the quarterbacks that were going first overall were signing their contract before the draft, and it's oh four years, eighty million dollars mm. before you've ever played a snap, and there was eventually a return back to to normalcy with some caps. With what, what kind of NIL make. would Vince Ferragamo get today? I mean, what you know, you think about guys like that that were in this program. What kind of NIL would they command? They they could command Sue Frazier, Vince Rogier. I mean, sky's the limit. But it was all it was all uh, it was all a projection, unfortunately, with everybody. That's what projections were in, in recruiting. Joe, thanks for the phone call. Uh, appreciate you dialing in. We'll get into this with Barnett a little bit, and you know it's making him sick as a longtime college football coach to see where it's at. But you've got to either adapt or die, <laughs> and the world of of the Clemsons 
uh, our, our Dabo is not a portal guy. He'll he'll probably change his tune a little bit. Nick Saban's the biggest anti-portal guy until he got in, in, in front of the old Bama touchdown club and said, fellas, pass the offering plate if you want to keep being good. That's what it's going to be. That's what it's turned into be. And then the, the best thing now is, all right, be relevant as a brand. Nebraska still is. Be able to fund. Nebraska's got a good collective. They've got the fan base of, of all fan bases to help fund this football program. Now go pick the right dude, right? <laughs> go pick the right guy at quarterback or pick the right guy out of high school and get him ready. Hour two's on the way with Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Logger. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the Hall of Fame coach. Back with us, Gary Barnett kicks off Hour 2. Coach, how's the day? Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, Chris, it's great. I'll tell you, we're having a great, great uh, late fall, early winter down here in uh, Arizona. The weather's been perfect, so I have nothing to complain about. Hey, rub it in a little more. Yeah, you know, well, it's, gonna, it's 60 <laughs> it's to 62 degrees here, but, you know, wind. I need to put a vest on today because, you know, it might be chilly. <laughs> but, uh, so did you play golf and are you grilling? Uh, I did play golf. I'm not going to grill tonight because I got a Zoom call with another deal. And so uh, I don't know what I'm going to do for dinner. Um, that's a good question. I haven't thought about it. Well, uh, I'm sure you'll get some ribs going, possibly. I don't know. Uh, you'll get the barbecue fired up. Coach, there's a lot to get into uh, since we last talked. And between the, the, the playoff and the reality is so many teams are, are trying to upgrade their quarterback spot and I know last week we talked a lot about Will Howard I want to get your thoughts on this to start off this new suggestion about a, a football subdivision by the new NCAA president uh, for college football a new subdivision where the haves can go kind of create their own league or set up and I, I love your thoughts on the governance of NIL, transfer rules. Uh, Nebraska Grandpa chimes into our stream and asks about, about a salary cap or a scholarship cap. Walk me through your thoughts on this, this proposal here moving forward. Well, I, as you know, I've, I, I, I predicted all this a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, five or six years ago, I, I figured it was – going to get to this i didn't know how it was going to get there but i i knew that that eventually we're we would get there uh i'm not enthused about it but it's reality and we're going to have to deal with it i really think this ncaa proposal is just chum in the water i think they're trying to find out how everybody feels about it they're trying to see if congress is gonna is gonna look at it and say whoa this is crazy and we're gonna do something about it i mean charlie baker's smart enough no, he's not going to put anything out there really firm right now. He's going to put something out that everybody's going to look at, play around with, think about, 
uh, bounce it off different people, uh, and that's where I see it going. Now, that being said, you know, part of this thing would be a uh, in-house collective. So it would basically eliminate a lot of the collectives that are out there and would let the university directly deal with that and raise the money themselves. Is that a good thing? I think it probably is. Um, you know, I think the, the uh, uh, transfer, you know, they're talking about now letting them transfer as many times as they want. I don't think that's a good deal. I don't think that's a smart thing. Uh, but we may not be able to control it. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's more and more attorney generals that are saying, let's turn this into employees. Well, if you go to employees, uh, make players employees, then that athletic department is going to have to be separate from the university. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, tied into Title IX. And uh, you, you just can't put that many people uh, you know, that many people on the, the various uh, expenses that come along with paying employees. So uh, I do think that they're throwing something out there. I think that eventually it's going to get to a point where the big guys are going to pay and pay a lot and the little guys aren't. Uh, so it's chumming the water right now just to see how everybody feels and what kind of responses they can get. Gary Barnett is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, I think the only guarantee moving forward, especially with the, the world of NIL and changing NCA, is that the, the government will get theirs. That is a guarantee in life. But <laughs> uh, I want to get your thoughts specifically on what you said about getting NIL collectives, kind of moving them to the side, moving NIL in-house. I think that's eventually where college football is almost guaranteed to be moving with just the can of worms that the collectives are. Bringing it in-house seems to make a lot of sense. And I want to get your kind of inside perspective on the NIL dealings, the, what you've seen. The collectives essentially are a middleman because Matt Rule gets up in front of the media last week and talks about the $1.5 to $2 million number, but technically the coaching staff isn't supposed to have any control over that. It's supposed to be the collectives that make kind of an independent offer, but it doesn't really work that way. Like, How exactly is this process working from that point of view? Or is the collective just a middleman between athletic department and an athlete yeah elijah it absolutely is but it can't that the uh um the connection between the athlete uh, between the athletic department and the collectives it it really it's illegal to have it you know it's improper to have it and so what you end up doing is being as creative as you can to try to and as private as you can. I mean, going through an attorney, for example, um, if the athletic department calls the, an attorney and says, you know, we want to pay six, 16 guys this X amount of money, then the attorney can then call the collective and say, okay, the athletic department wants to pay 16 guys this amount of money. Well, because there's attorney-client privileges, uh you know, the attorney is everything's safe, and that and you end up going around. I mean, that's 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 backwards. It's you know, it's you're just conniving, and um, that kind of stuff would be cleared up if collectives were in house. Uh, there, you wouldn't need that communication. They could form their own. They already have a staff. You know, it's it's uh, 
it would take a lot of the uh, pressure off of collectives, I would tell you that. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on some of the quarterbacks that are in the portal. Nebraska's been visiting a number. They had an in-home with, or at least a, a trip out to the Palouse where you were just at. Uh, talked with Cameron Ward. They've checked in on McCord at Ohio State, Levitt at Michigan State. And, uh, you know, it sounds like Will Howard may be looking at, at USC, but uh, you've kind of kept an eye on quarterbacks. What's your take on, on McCord? And we're both kind of going, wow, an 11 and one quarterbacks in the portal. He's not as mobile as other guys, but what, what do you like about McCord? And do you think he'd fit in Lincoln? Well, first of all, I don't think 11 and one means a damn thing when you've got Marvin Harrison and you've got an offensive line like he has. I mean, I don't think that's what you look at as a record. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you look at what kind of abilities he brings and whether that fits into your system. Um, you know, I Will Howard to me is the perfect match, or even Cam Ward. Even though Cam Ward does not run much, mm-hmm. Will Howard does and can. Um, Cam Ward, uh, it really, he, he does everything he can to try not to run. Uh, he's a big guy, and he's not as mobile as you might think he, he looks. But um, uh, you know there'll be there'll be some other quarterbacks out there. It's a tough choice, and I hadn't heard the Will Howard, the SC, but maybe that makes sense. Uh, certainly, probably would to him. But um, you know, any one of those three, of the three quarterbacks, Will Howard's the one I would chase the most, or somebody like Will Howard that you know, for example, that. The, guy at Coastal Carolina, or that was at Coastal Carolina, is now at Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that guy is, is a winner, and he's the kind of guy I think that would fit in the match system pretty well. So uh, You just got to look around, and, and I, you disregard the record. I don't care how many games they won. It, you know, it depends on who they had around them at the time. If they didn't win a few games, but this guy played his fanny off, then uh, you know you got to take a look at that. Grayson McCall, who you're talking about, I've been shouting yeah. his name from the yeah. rooftop. Yeah, I mean, how how uh, how attractive do you think Nebraska is uh, at for for quarterbacks? I know money can talk, but it's it's also got to be fit, right? Yeah, but fit and and you said it, money can talk, and that's what's going on right now. Um, is it a fit for him? But you know, right now these quarterbacks are. Taking, you know, they're they're taking a leap of faith to go make some money and see how they do, and um, you know you hope you have the opportunity to, to make sure it's a fit, but uh, you know some of these decisions get made pretty fast, and and uh, you've got to you've got to show them that he fits. You you've got to pretty much say you know I wouldn't be here if you didn't fit, and then the kids got to believe it. Well, Coach, if you were in one of these quarterbacks' corners advising them through the, the transfer process, what would be your, your pros and cons of going to Nebraska? Well, I'd say uh, tell me how they protected their quarterback. Tell me how they're going to use you. Mm-hmm. Tell me what the receiver's core looks like because that is primary. Uh, that, you know, even it's as much important as a, just as important as an offensive line. Do you use a tight end? Um, you know, how much is the run game going to benefit my protection piece and the receivers I'm going to have? Um, you know, 
I, I mean, they all, th- those are all questions that are tough questions. Can Nebraska answer those questions in a, in a manner that would make it appealing to the quarterback? Coach, want to get your thoughts on how things shook out with the playoff. Are you excited about the, the Final Four matchups? And then a comment on Florida State. I know you're close with that program. Well, no, I'm, I'm about as disgusted as Mike Norvell was. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just a doggone shame. I mean, if, when this happens, everything erodes. When you take a 13-0 team and you can't make the playoffs, even though he's been in the top four the whole time through, and you can't make a playoff because the number eight team, eight team happens to be from the SEC and is coached by Nick Saban, makes a jump like that. And I'm, as you know, I'm a Nick fan. I, I mean, we're, we're decent friends. And uh, but to get there because you threw a pass on fourth down when Auburn didn't rush anybody and you make a miracle catch, that doesn't put you in the playoffs. Okay, um, you know what puts you in the playoffs the way you played all year, and to me, and and so I, I I'm sort of disgusted with the whole thing. But you know what? Nobody's called me about it except you, Chris. So <laughs> uh, do I like the playoff games? Um, yeah, I think the Washington-Texas game is going to be a great game. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, watching uh, uh, Alabama, uh, you know, you know, who knows? I don't know where that one's going to go. But um, I sure – and Michigan. I, I think Michigan's a better team. Um, but uh, I, I would get excited about watching the uh, Washington and, and Texas game. Well, Coach, you, you, we kind of let off this interview talking about the future of college football. And, and the future of college football is a 12-team playoff. We saw it in 2014 with TCU getting excluded. Now we see it again in 2023 with Florida State getting excluded. And the argument for 12 is, well, this won't happen anymore in a 12-team playoff. What's your take on, on the 12-team playoff moving forward in terms of making sure you get the right teams into the playoff? Well, first of all, I, I'm more in favor of what happens during the season than I am the playoffs. And so, for me, I've never been a fan of a 12-team playoff because Washington and Oregon would never have had the kind of game they had at the end of the year because they'd both already be in the playoffs. Uh, it takes your league championship, makes them virtually, you know, probably unimportant in, in half the cases. Um, so, I don't think there's 12 teams that deserve to be in the playoff. I think it's hard to find four. Uh, I, I think a 16 six Number would have been right, but again, I wasn't involved with any of that. I think I don't think we have 12 teams right now in Division One football that deserve to be in a playoff. Coach, we'll wind it down and, and probably get some bowl picks next week. Uh, what is the Coach Barnett house look like from a Christmas light standpoint? Are you Griswold or are you minimal? No, we're minimal. We've got the uh, nice big red uh, uh, dried peppers outside. For you know, we'll probably have a little tree. Uh, we haven't done it yet, so we're we're going to be we're going to go to Colorado for for three days. So I don't know if we're going to go to a lot of expense, but we're not Clark Griswold. I did that once. I, that's it. I'm not doing it yet. How was the but, experience? Uh, definitely, definitely minimal. Okay. Did me? Did you? Now, I expect your house to be just lit up like a 4th of July. I've never in my life put up lights. <laughs> that doesn't mean you won't. No. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, Schmitty. Oh, 
listen, there's 4,000 tubs of, of crap in the basement. So when it's Christmas time, day after Thanksgiving, she's hauling up every nutcracker and Santa and ornament there is. What the best part is, is watching the dogs coach use their tail to, to play whiplash with the, the tree ornaments. That's, that's what's oh, funny. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's all right. Well, we'll check in soon. Uh, enjoy uh, your evening and, and stay stay warm down there in Arizona, all right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to put on the best. Love you guys. <laughs> Coach, take care. Appreciate you. There he is, Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Awesome perspective on, on uh, the playoff and, uh, of course, the NIL setup. What's going on? Pretty intriguing, too, with, all right, uh, let's call the attorney. Attorney, you call the collective. And uh, let's get things worked out that way. Here's here's the number. And, yeah, the um, questions and answers, if I'm a quarterback, being courted for the portal laid out there by Barney. Open phones here for you. Want to jump in? You're welcome to do it. 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you again. On Hail Varsity Radio. Check out the podcast if you want to recap Gary Barnett's comments on NIL, quarterback chasing the portal in the playoff. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can go. 489-1240-800-825. 5865. Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets, some NFL thoughts from Daddy, some props, all that good stuff for your NFL weekend coming up here in about 15 minutes. Get to some emails and some stream comments. So, portaling is uh, the, uh, the, the word of the week. And Nebraska right now is still involved. And what's nice is you're doing a second form of recruitment and i i think you're in a great spot if you're a nebraska fan with uh the the travel and the ability to to really connect with a high school kid if you're matt rule uh, foley's on the road tour in the state again today that's the high school level and then nebraska will do their best to get a kid in to visit i.e cam ward nebraska made the the list for Ward to travel to. There's some heavy hitters there for Ward to go check out, but uh, Matt Rule in um, in his office in front of Cam Ward at some point is going to be uh, impressive uh, because Rule can communicate and kind of lay out his vision. Oh, would it be a fly on the wall? Oh, it'd, it'd be good. And, and it's, it's beyond salesmanship. It really is the old Ted Lasso believe. I mean, rules believe in everything and that, that he's laying out. Um, you know, there's some, some signs pointing to USC for Will Howard. That's what some of the industry insiders in the wor- recruiting world believe. And if Will Howard's goal is to get to the NFL, I mean, Lincoln Riley sends guys to the NFL, but we'll see where Nebraska's at. That was Nebraska's first visit. So Kyle McCord... And Barney shot down the 11-1 and one <laughs> real quick. I don't care what his record is. <laughs> well, well thought out, Coach, with the, uh, the O-line and skill guys. But the latest from McCord and, and his camp is, look, they're looking for a spot. 
that will continue to help him develop for the NFL. And they're going to take their time. They're not going to rush the process. So Nebraska has been mentioned. Syracuse has been mentioned. Um, You have Sam Levitt. He's not been offered by Nebraska, but Nebraska's kicked the tires on him. Oregon State, BYU, Utah, Arizona State, Washington State. Those were all spots Levitt really looked at hard uh, out of high school. And then there's the, the list of some of the who's who for Cam Ward, where he may end up. And um, it, it really kind of comes down to me for Nebraska to do their their due diligence, what, what they're doing, but just lay out where they expect to believe, where they, where they believe they'll be. Because right now, listen to the programs that are uncertain right now at quarterback. USC, Ohio State, Florida State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Miami. I, I think you could even add Michigan to the list, dependent on if J.J. McCarthy decides to go to the draft. I don't think he will, but if he does, that throws a wrench in what they have going. I don't know that McCarthy's a first through three-round guy. I don't think he is either. But if he goes, you're right. But they're, they're in on the Moore kid from, from UCLA. So, Which makes me wonder if McCarthy is thinking about the draft. Well, he's, he's probably thinking a lot of things. First and foremost, Alabama. Second of all, <laughs> is, my, is my coach coming back? Mm. Despite the uh, you know, five-year, $11 million uh, deal that's being put together. But you know, can Nebraska find the right guy? And, and I like your, your thought here on the kid from Coastal Carolina, Grayson McCall. I mean, just uber-talented, love his kind of game and body type. Do you think Nebraska's got a shot at Cam Ward? I mean, I think they can they can pay what every, everybody else would pay. And we we, get, we got thing. a good comment in Streamlines we'll get to, but go ahead. The, the thing about that is I don't think in order to get a guy like Cam Ward, Nebraska has to pay as much as everybody else. I think they have to pay more than everybody else. Yeah. You can sell a kid on the vision all you want, but, man, if I got a Ohio State looking at me, no, it's the same. With their history. And it's the same monetary offer? Of quarterbacks in the NFL. We can look at this objectively and say, Ohio State's the better spot right now. Yeah, if you want to go play in the NFL, Ryan Day, Day has put a, Ryan Day and Nick Saban, they've put guys in the NFL. But that this is what like kind of the, the, the playing field of NIL can do to you is, yeah, I mean, if Nebraska can raise the funds, they're going to have to overpay. It's as simple as that. You have to open the checkbook, especially with where Nebraska's been recently. But if you have a bigger offer from Nebraska, hey, an extra $500,000 a year to go play at Nebraska instead of Ohio State, that's what's going to get a kid's meter pointing towards Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And they have to be sold on the vision as well. They have to see the hope. I don't think Cam Ward is going to come here no matter how much you pay to come and have a 5-7 and seven season where you're the only spark on offense and you're surrounded by terrible weapons. You have to sell a kid on the vision and what you have, but... Nebraska's at a point right now, after all these consecutive seasons missing a bowl game, you're going to have to overpay. You have to pay more than the likes of Ohio State or Tennessee or Ole Miss or name your school. He's going to have to really and, – and who's to say that you're getting a kid, Elijah, that it's not about – I mean, are you getting a kid that is just all about the money versus the experience? Or is the experience he thinks he can have worth more than money? Listen – uh, Ohio State may be offering me less than Nebraska, but man, I think the NFL's 
gonna gonna get a good look and clean look at me because of what they've done in the NFL. That, that and, argument of do you want NIL or do you want NFL? Yeah, I mean, because NIL money looks good now, NFL money looks a lot better in ten years. Sure, and that's your that's probably your your goal. Let me go play in the league and and be a, a starting quarterback. Uh, Geek Stradamus checks in. This support is supported by fanatics, and some of them have more money than they can spend. You'll get forty teams at least, and yeah, that new football subdivision is going to be a lot of folks that love to spend money on their football program. A bunch of SMUs from the late 70s. I don't know. Getability, is that a concern for you as a Nebraska fan at quarterback? Not fit, not evaluation, but getability because of where your team's at five and seven going into this year. I think, again, the rule factor offsets that but the offensive vision, are you coming into a, an experienced group of wide receivers? No. Do you have some really young guys that could be good? Yeah. Is the offensive line top 25 in the country? Not yet. There's a lot of faith there. This is going to come down to fit and feel and obviously being right with the projection on top of keeping, keeping Chubba here. That's the both both things got to happen. They got to find another quarterback in the portal. They got to keep Chubby here, and they got to look at Kalen and, and get him groomed and fast tracked. And I, I am going to disagree with you slightly and say this isn't about fit and feel. I think fit and feel is how you lock a kid down. You get a kid interested with NIL and playing time opportunities. You know what? You get some film for the NFL. Mm-hmm. You lock a kid down by getting him on campus and saying, hey, here's the relationship, here's the fit that you have with the coaches, with the other players you're going to be playing with within our offense. I think the fit in the field is what locks a kid down and gets him to commit and gets him to, to say, you know what, this is the spot for me. I don't think it's what gets a kid interested. I mean, we've talked about a lot. Why does a kid enter the portal? The, the, the first they want to win or they want to go enhance their, uh, what they are? And that's the first and foremost thing they're going to be looking for. That's why you enter the portal. That's the first and foremost thing you're going to be looking for in the portal. What differentiates a school like Nebraska from other schools that are offering playing time and NIL opportunities is that fit in that field. How do you fit into Matt Rule's system? How do you fit into the offense? How was your relationship with Marcus Satterfield? That's kind of the, the differentiating factors that, you know what, I went into the portal for money and, and playing time opportunities, but this is the school for me because they give me that and I have this fit in the field. Well, and here's the other thing Nebraska's doing. You know, there's been a lot of phone calls today about what they need the fans asking, you know, let's spend it on the O-line. Uh, this numbers game's insane, but it's the, the, the new normal. Nebraska also, with all these visits, they're determining if they need a portal quarterback. I mean, that's the other part of this. You're checking in and checking out. It, it may be speed dating, but it's, <laughs> it's two people communicating here. On, uh, on whether you're, you, you, you fit with one another. And Nebraska may, all right, Cam Ward's a no-brainer for sure, but maybe the, the Levitt, maybe the McCall, McCord, uh, McCord visit, maybe Nebraska walked away from that saying, all right, we, we did our uh, in-person interview and wish you the best, but we don't, we don't, you might not be for us. I'm not saying Nebraska's turned these guys down, but Nebraska's got to be pretty picky and selective here too. Well, we talked leading off this segment about Levitt. Well, apparently Levitt doesn't have an offer. Nebraska was visiting him last week. You wonder about an offer dependent 
on the other guy you go get. Because I don't think Levitt is your your answer next season. I think no. you like having him for the, the four years of eligibility he has left. But, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, just throwing something at a wall and seeing what sticks. It's a case of, of uh, the coaching staff looking and saying, hey, we don't want you to scare off our other guy we're going after. We don't want you to scare off McCord or, or Ward or whatnot. So we got an offer for you dependent on getting another guy. And I'm just spitballing here. I don't have any inside information. Mm -hmm. But you do wonder about this. I mean, the portal process goes slow, but also very quick with that. And you wonder what kind of politics there there goes on behind the scenes in these types of dealings. Yeah, it can go zero to 60 and then ramp back down for sure. Kind of of smart idea to have somebody at least somewhat in your back pocket, Mm -hmm. maybe? Well, right now, I mean, you've got your your hierarchy of guys. They're taking... They're taking offers. They're taking visits. And we'll see where Nebraska's at. I don't worry about Nebraska being able to, to fund and get a quarterback they want. And I don't even think Nebraska's going to be negligent in overpaying. I think they're of the realization you, you kind of get what you pay for, especially after you know year one of the portal and NIL with your last experiment. So I think Nebraska will be better with this second at bat. They've got to be better with this second at bat. But from a program standing standpoint, what do you think, Elijah? Do you think Nebraska's in position right now to go after some of these hot names, specifically Florida's running back that entered the portal? I mean, Nebraska fans have asked about it. You brought it up earlier. And, yeah, that'd be great if Nebraska could find – a guy that ran for 1,500 yards in the uh, SEC. But is it a reality? I think it's more possible with Princely. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, He's tweeting at his brother today. Yeah, I think absolutely. That a possibility than Prince Princewell, meet Prince Lee. Come on down. Daddy Burke gets ready. Uh, Burke's best bats, Hail Varsity, continues powered by Cornhead Lager. And now... And now... Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks this hour to Gary Barnett, Bill Bender last hour. We say hi to Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets, pride of Chicago. And find his work and write-ups, burksbeat.com, at DannyBurke5 on Twitter. Danny, how we doing? A lot of NFL this weekend. What's shaking? Yeah, doing pretty well. Appreciate you guys having me on per usual. Uh, good games to look forward to. A lot of good games. Although uh, it doesn't start out with a pretty one, uh, that's to say the least, with the <laughs> Patriots and Steelers tonight. Are, are you going to entertain this one tonight, Schmitty? Oh, it'll be on. And uh, I I may have time to find my way to the sports book and, and do an under bet. Is that fair? Is that advisable? Certainly advisable. I haven't heard anybody betting the over, and I don't see how you'd be too convinced to. I, I mean, it's down to 30, which is absurd, but, uh, you know, a lot of times where we see these totals that are drastically lower or drastically higher, they still tend to cash toward that direction, so I can't blame you, Schmitty. It's Danny Burke with us here, Burke's Best Bets on Hale Varsity Radio, and Dan, I guess if you got money on the game, right, that's one reason to watch it. I wasn't planning on tuning in for the Steelers and the Patriots, two of the most Big Ten West teams you can find in the NFL. And Danny, I want to get your thoughts. Aside from the under, is there anything else you like tonight so some people can get some skin in the game, a reason to actually watch Thursday night football? Yeah, believe it or not, I actually have a pair of plays for tonight's game, and it's not like I feel excited. 
excited about it per se, <laughs> but it's more so based on one situationally and just one based off of the number. And I'll start with the latter. And look, that's just taking the six points with the Patriots. You've seen this move as low as four and a half. Now the consensus is settled at about a five in favor of Pittsburgh. And yes, they are the more talented team, but you're telling me Mitch Trubisky on a short week should be laying about six points, five and a half points against any team in the National Football League? The answer to that, from my perspective, is hell no. I mean, again, I've seen this guy play. We know what he's capable of and what he's not capable of. And against a defense that's actually pretty solid being New England, I think you are going to see those limitations. The weather doesn't appear as bad as we once thought it was, but it's still not going to be ideal. But, look, you probably don't want Trubisky to have to throw the ball too much to get things started, right? You want to ease him into it. You want to use your running back duo of Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. But New England actually has the best run defense now in the NFL. Uh, they're allowing opponents to 3.2 yards per carry. That number has fallen to 2.3 over the last three games. They rank first against the run in EPA and success rate. So after he probably, or rather after the offense can't get anything viable going in that facet, I think that Trubisky is going to be forced to make some plays. And I don't think he's going to do it successfully, and this kind of ties into my next play. But long story short, I think the Patriots' defense will do enough to keep them within the number of six. Scoring, obviously, is going to come at a premium. So those are a lot of points away with a total of just being 30. But then my next play, like I talked about, look, the Patriots run defense, very stout. Patriots have struggled in their secondary. They're 28th in drop-back EPA, 23rd in drop-back success rate. They're allowing opposing quarterbacks to complete over 67% of their throws. I don't want to bank on Trubisky, clearly, for a lot of things, most importantly, passing yards, completions. But I do think his sample size of pass attempts in general will be inflated. And the best number I found for that, guys, is at 27 and a half. Now, he split time with Pickett in the two larger sample sizes we witnessed. Last week versus Arizona went 11 for 17. Obviously didn't play the whole game, but still they were letting him throw the ball a lot and were trailing. And then against the Jaguars at the end of October, again, Kenny Pickett had a healthy dosage in that game. Trubisky got some time and he still managed to throw 27 times. So I think when they don't have any success in the ground attack, they're going to have to throw it, make those shorter, safer throws, and Trubisky will kind of pad the stats in terms of pass attempts. So that's why I did him over 27-and-a-half and why I also took six points with the Patriots this evening. Danny Burke with us, BurkesBeat.com, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, a couple of games that are just juicy. Bills at Kansas City. The Chiefs seem to be reeling. Bill's got to have it. Philly has been on a death march schedule-wise. They go to Big D this weekend. Yeah, I'll start with that Bills and Chiefs game. The market is showing some infatuation toward Buffalo, and honestly, I can't disagree. I mean, it seems like it may be a classic spot where everybody's kind of getting off the Kansas City train, and then they figure it out because, well, the Bills have been in that themselves. But when you look at all of these advanced numbers and metrics and analytics, I mean, the Bills should just be playing so much better than they have been. And that's what led me to taking three in the hook with them, uh, their last game against the Eagles, which thankfully they are able to cover. And they're just so much better offensively than the Chiefs are. The Chiefs clearly don't have any receiving help. And Patrick Mahomes is having to play so tight and have so much pressure at the end of these games that now against an even better defense in Buffalo, I do think that's going to catch up to him. So I would gravitate toward Buffalo. 
I'd probably look at Bacon plus one and a half, or you could even tease them up six points to plus seven and a half. I think that's a great option too. But in terms of outright purposes, I like Buffalo. And then with Philly and Dallas, I kind of like the over in this game. It's gotten bet up to 52. I'm hoping that it may get bet back down to 51. And if it does, then that very well may be an official play for me on the total over 51 because 51 is somewhat of a key number. You think 27 to 24, that's certainly how this game could land considering the spread's at about three or three and a half. So I'm very tempted with this total. And I'm tempted with Dallas, guys, and I've kind of been a naysayer for Dallas, or maybe I'm just more so rooting against it because I got interest in other MVP candidates aside from Dak. But again, looking at all these numbers, Dallas has been the better team. Philly clearly not as good as they were last year. Hurts seems like he's a little banged up. Their defense is weak as Philadelphia's, and this is a revenge game considering Dallas already lost to him, and now they get this spot at home. I don't want to lay over the key number of three with Dallas. So what I'm going to do instead, because this isn't going to dip to two and a half, I'm going to wait for an in-game number. Simple as that, right? Because it should be a back-and-forth battle. You'll probably get a better spot with Dallas at some point in this game. They have been playing like the better team. I get that they've beaten up over inferior opponents, but this is a statement game, and I think they come through over Philly in this spot. Danny Burke with us here, Burke's Best Bets. Make sure to check out Burke'sBeat.com. He's got more on there. A teaser for the NFL this weekend, a Saints and Panthers prop bet. You can check that out, Burke'sBeat.com. But, Danny, before we get you out of here, about 60 seconds. Are you going to be a true American patriot this weekend and lay down some action on Army-Navy? <laughs> You know, a couple years ago, and, and even before that, I was betting it consistently. But this game, like, the market's always set so strongly now. Like, the total just goes down and down every single year. I mean, you're seeing 27 and a half, for goodness sake. So I probably won't do anything there. If anything, I'd lean toward Army. But I haven't mustered up the courage to place a bet on it just yet, fellas. Uh, if I do, I'll make sure to make note on it, but maybe I'll just tell whatever you guys are rocking with today. Well, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, how many consecutive years has the total gone under? Oh, geez, I don't even know the number, but it, it's, it's pretty much every year, isn't it? Unless there was a sneaky one where it's gone over in the past couple because it was set so low. I'm going to have to look that up. I believe it's been like something like 14 straight years that the under is hit or something like that. I, I could be wrong. I need to check my numbers there. Well, I'm seeing it's like uh, 44 and nine is the record, and you know, however many last years that's been. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, oh, it's just whatever the service academy program yeah, yeah. face off under 44 and nine back to 06. Jeez, mm, Daddy, we'll check in next week. We'll get some some bowl thoughts, and uh, of course, more NFL is getting down to uh, the the stretch run here for playoff positioning. Daddy Burke Burke's beat. Dot com at Daddy Burke 5. Daddy, thanks for the time and insight today. Hey, you got it, my friends. Take care, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday. Big thanks to Gary Barnett, Bill Bender, Daddy Burke. Tomorrow, Jacob Padilla, Bill Dolman going to join the show. The forecast with Clausburn will shift to a little NFL thought. A reminder to buckle up. Game preparation and repetition predict success and winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office, 489-1240. Can sneak in a call 
or two here, 800-825-5865. We spent a little, we didn't spend enough time on basketball, but portal and football's kind of driving the bus. A little bit of reaction last night from Fred Hoiberg, opening comments post-game, Husker basketball reeling, and uh, I think Nebraska's going to need you Sunday against Sparty. Here's Fred. Give me a second. I closed out of these cuts. I didn't think we were going to ah, get to them. I didn't fault. think we were going to get no, to them. I should have given you the sign. I got it. I got it. I okay. Got it. Here's Fred, and he should have been pissed. He was. Let's see if we can get him rallied up for tomorrow. Yeah, I thought that was about as good as we played all year. That first half, we were flying around. We were getting every loose ball. Uh, our blockouts were on point. We did a great job on the glass. That was our biggest uh, nerve going into this game was our offensive rebounding and physicality, and I really thought we neutralized that. And that got us out in uh, in transition. It got us on a run. Uh, we took care of the basketball for the most part in the first half, and then it completely flipped in the second. And it started on the first couple possessions where we went after uh, loose balls with one hand. We went after a couple rebounds with one hand. And, you know, give them credit for coming out with uh, more intensity than we did. And, you know, for us, as we talked about in the locker room, we got to find a killer instinct. We, we got to be able to, you know, stomp on a team when they're down. And we let them right back in with, I think, a 16 to 3 run. And now you're in a dogfight the rest of the game on the road uh, with, a, with a really good crowd. And, you know, it's, it's disappointing. Um, you know, I loved our first half, I loved how we were sharing it. We had great movement. And second half, uh, you not only the loose balls, but the turnovers and turn it over 12 times in the second half. You can't do that on the road. You're, you're going to get stung. Well, Nebraska may have a point guard problem. This is an all on Lawrence. He's a nice scorer, but he's still trying to settle in Elijah. And uh, Nebraska's offense is just a bit of a mess. They didn't adjust and they sure as heck didn't respond. And you wonder how different this, this stretch is, this two, three game stretch. If you have Aaron Eulis in the Big fold, time, yes. True point. Jamarcus hasn't been able to do it. Casey hasn't been able to do it. I mean, you have a lot of scores. Who's going to be that that steadying force offensively that gets the scores the ball? I mean, it's just – it's. I, I don't claim Who's to be the leader? Here. Who's the leader on this basketball team that's going to slap them around and get them right? I mean, I'll say this. The, the grit and on-court ability of – a guy like Greasel and Walker will this team to to play above their uh, their, their punch and weight. Well, this well team what Nebraska some... had last year was a steadying force in Sam Greasel. That when you know whenever the stuff started going wrong and a second half run, Minnesota's playing really well to come out the second half. You had a steadying force in Greasel. You know and what? Walker. He's going to put a smaller guy in the post. He's going to give himself an easy bucket. You have yep. Walker doing the same, where he's distributing from the high post, getting scores the ball. You don't have that this year. No, and you got guys that are forcing it, taking bad shots not taking care of the ball, and when it got tough, they folded. Uh, inexcusable. But another chance Sunday against Sparty. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, it's going to be an awful thing. I'm gonna put, if I could, I'd put the house on Sparty on Sunday. Back tomorrow, 4 o'clock with Hale Varsity. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.